Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Real Talks podcast. This is where we have relational, encouraging, authentic, life-giving conversation on a variety of different topics. My name is Robert Tyler, and I am privileged to do this podcast with my wife, Leticia Tyler. And recently, we put out some feelers uh, to see what topics you guys would like for us to maybe have conversation about, maybe speak with other people, have some guests on our podcast. And uh, we are so excited for all of the response. We want to thank you for the topics and the suggestions and the questions. And we wanted you to know we are working on those conversations and uh, you'll be able to hear those things coming soon. But today we wanted to let you listen in on an impromptu conversation that Leticia and I had around self-awareness. And um, as we were talking, we thought, man, this is something we should record. So we hope that you enjoy the real talk today, but more so we hope that you are uh, challenged to grow and be empowered to cultivate all of the relationships you have in your life in a healthy way. All right, so, okay, so the idea, right, is that if a person who is abusive, Mm -hmm. right, if they, it makes sense that if they don't realize a connection to trauma in their childhood and they, and they're abusive and maybe they go through therapy or they're talking to a friend or whatever and it's like yo what was your childhood like and they say you know this is what it was i saw this whatever and that person says well hey you have you ever thought about the fact and they go oh man light comes on they're like oh man i'm i do this because i'm i am you know repeating what happened but what's what's tough for me to reconcile often is that when people already know like when you hear like i've heard guys say you know, you know, I, I, the reason I do this is because that's all I saw growing up. Yeah. And for me, I'm like, okay, if you know that that's at the root of it, then why aren't you doing something to change it? You're saying that you don't like that you do that, but you're not doing anything. Because what I was, yeah, because some people will use that to either go the opposite direction and they use it to actually enlighten themselves and they have this revelation and they don't want to be that way. So they choose better. Some people, I believe, is at the root of they don't want to do better. They don't want to do the hard work. So instead of using it as an opportunity to get better, they use it as an excuse to stay the same. Mm. It's like what we talk about all the time. You can either use this as an opportunity when you learn something about yourself that you don't like, right? Mm. To do better. Or you, lo- you use it again as an opportunity, but it's a, it's a selfish opportunity to stay in the way that you are because you don't want to do the work. You don't want to go to counseling or you don't, mm. or you, you claim that you can't afford counseling, which there's plenty of free, you yeah, know, free help out there. Yeah. It doesn't, you know, have to be even a professional counselor. Maybe you have to start off with a mentor in your life that somebody you can look up to. You have to start off with whoever. But I mm. think that we as humans... We want what we want, period. So we either want to stay, because, right, we talk about, too, um, you know, knowledge is not power, right? Mm. It's applied knowledge. Applied knowledge, yeah. So just because yeah. I know that my childhood was this way, right? just because I know huh. that this is now a part of my past, doesn't do anything for me. I just have the knowledge of it. But what am I going to do with the knowledge of it? Right. I, I even think <laughs> that, that part even plays into, like, the therapy side, right? The idea for some people, like, okay, you have some people who don't go to therapy because in their mind, therapy is not going to quote unquote fix it. And then you have people that go to therapy because in their mind, they're looking for someone to fix it. And like even really understanding that therapy is not about someone else fixing it. It's about someone being able to ask you questions, Hmm. present ideas, seeing things from a different perspective. Mm. that will help you and cause you to think about things differently, right? Mm. So we always talk about, right, the only person we can't see in a room is ourselves. So in therapy, you're sitting in front of that person Mm. that is like the mirror, right? They're hearing everything you say, right? and then they're they're throwing it back at you. Right. They're throwing it back and saying, I hear, like, you know, I hear you say this. Could it be this? You know what I mean? Maybe, I wonder, should I say, I wonder if maybe some people are 
reluctant because I, I mean, most times I talk to dudes, girls are, you know, women are more apt to go to therapy. They are, they really are. Like ladies are quick to be like, yeah, we need to talk to somebody or I need to hash this out. Now it could be because, you know, as they always say, like women use more words in a day than men do. Hmm. Um, You know, women are typically talk more, that type of thing anyway. So it's kind of something that they do naturally. Men, we don't typically do that naturally, which I think goes back to, you know, men not often feeling safe um, to share their hearts. Like even last night, right, when we were watching Jay-Z talk to uh, David Letterman, right? Hmm. And he talked about his... um, his correct me if i'm wrong how he said it i believe he said his intellectual like his iq was really high for like um for oh like he said and... he said when he's in a room that's what it was he was talking about when he's in a room like he could spot out who's the shady dude like who's right. the dude that's about to rob the place his IQ, who's yeah. The dude? yeah like he his, it was his like hood always, IQ was yeah his hood iq was yeah. really high but he couldn't tell you for a second anything emotional IQ. Yeah. Like he couldn't tell you like who was hurting in the room, who just looked right. off a little bit, right. or even if he felt off a little bit because right. he was never, he didn't have a model of how to pay attention to his emotions and be self-aware, mm. right? And so you're talking about guys, but it's not just guys. Some <clears throat> of it is women mm. too who grew up in homes that were not self-aware. Uh, they weren't, rather, they weren't modeled self-awareness. They didn't have high emotional IQs. Um, and I also now can say like even me learning better with um, self-awareness and emotional IQ I'm an emotional person Mm. but that did not mean that I had a good emotional IQ Mm. because I was just an emotional person grew up in a home that yes we were allowed to express emotions but it doesn't mean we express them in a healthy way we were just like you know uh, if we were mad we were just mad if we were you know sad we were sad but nobody taught us how to manage them Mm. like I shouldn't say nobody rarely was I taught, hey, you're feeling this, this is real, Hmm. but how do you deal? How do you manage the sadness you're feeling? How do Hmm. you manage the deep anger you're feeling? How do you manage, you know, or even to Will Smith's point, when we heard him talk to David Letterman, right? He talked about how he went on his self-discovery and realized that it wasn't that he was actually pissed off all the time. He talked about in his book, right? Saying the word pissed, I'm pissed, I'm pissed. And then he said, well, you say you're pissed. So many times you realize, wait, am I actually pissed this often? Right, right. No, I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed yeah. So even some of us who grew up in homes that you were allowed to express emotions and have them, but were you taught how to actually process them in a healthy way? Mm. Were you taught how to actually go, wait, is this actually anger or is this embarrassment mm. or is this my pride? Mm. Or is this a deep sadness, but I'm going to mask it in anger because I'm allowed to express anger, yeah. but I'm not allowed to express other things or I or not even that I wasn't allowed. I don't know how to deal with the other things. Well, and that that brings up another thing about that Jay-Z David Letterman interview. Remember when he talked about how he grew up versus me, how he's raising his kids mm-hmm. and he talked about how they were in a rush. He had his daughter. They were in a rush. His daughter's kind of hanging out. People were outside. She's saying hi, whatever. Mm-hmm. He has no problem with that. But they were in a rush. Mm-hmm. And he said, come on, get in the car. She lingered a little bit. And he got a little bit more stern. was like, get in the car. And um, he said, you know, they get in the car. And, you know, he's kind of looking out the window. And he looks over at her. And she looks at him. And she goes, Daddy, can I tell you something? And she's like six years old, right? Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, what, what, what's up? And she says to him, you know, the way you told me to get in the car right there, that really hurt my feelings. Like, so I didn't like that. I didn't, my I didn't like it. It hurt my feelings, you know. And, you know, it made him so happy. Right. Because it showed him that the way he's raising his daughter, she is able to learn how to navigate her emotions with him as his as her father, as her leader, as her guide. And how he responds to that is going to make the difference in her life. And the fact that she felt free enough to go, Dad, like, at six years old, she felt free enough to say, that hurt my feelings. Right. Like, the way you said that, I, you know, and, and I'm sure if he filled in the filled in the blanks, right? Like, I'm sure she's like, I, I understand that you have to get in the car and, you know, I could have moved faster, but, but man, it just, it just, it just hit me a certain way. And for, for him as a parent to be able to go, you know what, I'm sorry. You know, like that's to your point of like 
learning at a young age how to navigate those emotions. So even, right, you just said learning <clears throat> at a young age. Um, um, so you and I know, because of our own children and our own, you know, our own raising of our children, obviously Jay-Z and Beyonce are doing something intentional, mm-hmm. right, on purpose mm-hmm. to make sure that their kids have a safe environment where they can express themselves, mm. even if their express is in disagreement with the parent. Yeah. yeah. Right? That's and good. so... We often talk about our upraising, not that it was bad because we had amazing parents, oh, yeah. but like they did the best they could with what they were, get, were given, right? That's, that's right. what everybody can that's do, what every, that's right? That's what everybody does, yeah. So, but even with us and raising our children, from the day that we started to be able to communicate, even non-verbal communication with them, right? We were very purposeful and intentional to make sure that we created an environment where our kids felt like they can express an emotion and not be reprimanded simply for the expression of the emotion. Right. Now, as they got older and older, now we have three teenagers in the house and a 22-year-old daughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, not in the house, but we have three teenagers and then our 22-year-old who has her own place. But we're still raising four kids, mm-hmm. right? And... Even with each of them, we've had to say, experience different times with them where they yeah. were expressing an emotion and it was out of hand. Yeah. It was unmanaged, right? Yeah. They yeah. weren't managing the emotion. The emotion was controlling them. Yeah. And so we had to bring it to their attention. <coughs> and sometimes, well, many times even along the way, you and I had to grow up in that process together with yeah, them because well. what we learned was, in ironically, in the midst of them trying to learn how to manage their emotions, they triggered some of our emotions. And then here we are telling them, you need to manage, but I'm going to tell you how you better manage that emotion. You better manage it now. Fix it, right? So it's like, okay, mom and dad, I'm not so sure that the message you're actually trying to send me is being received because you're sitting up here telling me to manage my emotions, but you are clearly not managing your own. Yeah. So then... We had to continue, and that's really, I think, all parents have to. You have to continue if you should choose that opportunity as you're raising your child, allowing them to raise you up, too. Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, I remember, you know, so many times when Sissy was little, right? And people would talk about how mature she was. And until this day, they talk about how, you know, beyond her years isn't, you know, Mm -hmm. Robbie, too, same thing, whatever. And I remember telling people... I often felt like she was raising me more than I was raising her mm. because I had, like you talk about that mirror. Mm. I saw myself in her so many times mm-hmm. when she didn't want to submit to our authority, mm-hmm. when she wanted it her way. And the only way was her way mm. and no other way was good enough. Mm. And I didn't want to see, and I had to see myself in that. Yeah. I had to see how I was so selfish. Mm. I had to see how, you know, I was so stubborn and set in my ways and, Oh, had to do it this way and I yeah. didn't care what I didn't care who got in my way or who got hurt. I was gonna get what I wanted. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like we you know, when we talk about emotions, when we talk about, you know, past trauma and you know, how we were raised and how it affects us and all those things, it does. Yeah. But at the end of it all, you have to choose you have to choose Well, we said it this morning. Often in life, you have to choose the right thing even when it's the hard thing. Yeah. I'm not sitting around and waiting for all of this desire to all of a sudden overwhelm me to want different and want better. Because it doesn't always happen. Right. You'll be waiting until the day you die for that feeling to overcome you and overwhelm you. The want doesn't always show up. Yeah. And that's why I think that you have to, often you just have to choose, this is the right thing. I know that it's the right thing. And I have to do this period because it's the right thing. Even though it's going to be hard. Mm. Yes, it's going to be messy and all these things. Yes, I'm going to have to see myself and I'm going to have to stare at myself and I'm going to have to deal with myself. And it's a a lifelong process. Two weeks of therapy isn't going to do it. Two years of therapy isn't going to do it. Because the two years of therapy that you're going to get is going to help you to deal with a few things. And then guess what? You're going to keep growing and keep changing. And then you got to deal with the new stuff. Yep. It's a lifelong process of constantly evolving, learning yourself. And then hopefully the, the hope is 
that as you're choosing to better yourself and deal with yourself, you now get to pass that gift on to your children. Just like Jay-Z talked about with his kids now. Mm -hmm. Because he's choosing to see himself in a new way. And to not just see himself and stay there, but to deal with himself. (coughs) Yeah. Now he gets to pass that gift on to his children. And you and I have chosen to do hard work and continue to do hard work of seeing ourselves and being self-aware individuals so that we can give that gift to our kids so that they can see themselves. So that when they're going through their lives, as they continue to grow, they can go, okay, hmm, this might be on me. I need to deal with me. Right. I think that's a, I, that that's probably the hardest thing as a parent to be to see things in our kids and know like we know that okay what's happening with them is out of line or whatever blah, blah blah but also having to reconcile that oh snap like I still do that thing that they're doing right now. Right. Right. And at some point they're going to find me out. Right. Like but with our kids like you you know that they're going to find you out at some point. And, yeah. and, and I think one of the hardest things for parents is to be honest. Like, to be to honest. To actually admit that you've been caught. <clears throat> to, yeah, to be like, Busted. you know, or before you even get caught, to say, hey, I deal with this too. Like, I still deal with this too. Yeah. I still get angry sometimes, and I don't control my emotions. So why do you think we, why do, you think we do that? Because... What is that feeling that often I know like will he- make me hesitate? Like sometimes in the moment when I'm caught as a parent, right? Like mm. what is it for you? Mm. I'll, I, I think I know what it is for me, but what is it for you that when you're like, <coughs> especially because I've seen it more so, well, no, it's not true. I've seen it with both, you know, our daughter and the boys, our daughters, I should say, and the boys. But what do you think? I feel like sometimes, especially when it comes to the boys, you really have a like it, I can literally like if I'm in the room when it's happening, I can sense the like tension that you mm. have to wrestle so that you can get to the place. What is that? What are you wrestling in that moment? Well, with the boys, I think with dads and their boys, it's a little bit different, right? There is there's a few layers, right? So, you know, fathers have such an intense love for all their kids. And whether we want to believe it or not, now I know some people <coughs> some people are not going to agree with this and that's okay that's you know that's the point of it um but no matter some people won't agree with everything we have to say (laughs) shocking um everyone gets to have an opinion but i i firmly believe that that it you you can't you don't love all your kids the exact same way uh is it possible to love all your kids unconditionally absolutely right that's that's the baseline you love your kids unconditionally what i mean by that is your kids' performance, their grades, their life choices, their uh, whether they do right or wrong, does not change your love for them. It does not change the deep um, your your deep sense of um, of not just affection, but that you would do whatever it took to make sure they were okay. Um, <clears throat> that part for all of your children, I believe is stable that 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 it is absolutely uh real but there is a portion of that where i when i say (coughs) that you don't love all your children the same way because the the way that you respond to them changes based on the child Mm. and maybe maybe it's not right to say you don't love them all the same way but maybe how you, you don't, interact you don't, with each one is different. Yeah, you, you don't, love you them don't, all the you don't, same. You don't, you don't approach them the same. So with the boys, right, your approach is going to be different <clears throat> with each child. Yeah. So I think with, I think with with fathers and their boys, there is this interesting line of love and respect that that is 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 balanced a lot. Mm. Um, I love my sons with everything in me. Those are my boys. Like, you can't, like, you don't touch my boys. Don't, you know what I'm saying? Like, that, those are my boys. Like, I still kiss my boys. One's 16, the other one's 13. Um, I still kiss them on the head. Uh, I still hug them. Um, just recently, my, my oldest boy just came 
our oldest boy just came and said, Dad, can I ask you for something? And I was like, yeah, what? And he's like, can I just have a hug? And, bro, I almost, almost lost it, bro. I almost, almost fainted. Um, not because he asked for a hug or he wanted was, to give me a uh, hug, Robbie but that was Robbie. <clears throat> not because, you know, he wanted a hug, but it was, just, it, it was that he was basically saying to me, hey, Dad, like, I need you. This is, I don't need money. Mm. I don't need the car. I don't need uh, I don't so I don't need for you to let me stay out longer. Right. Actually, I just I just need I just need a hug from my dad like that. That for me, you know, and so so the so the interesting thing is, you know, there's also that part of a father that knows that you, you you're responsible for teaching your boys how to be men. Mm. You're responsible to teach them what it means to take care of themselves and one day mm. be part of taking care of a family if they so desire to have one right you you are responsible for teaching them how to uh, be safe when they go out uh, you're responsible for teaching them how to manage their money and how to make good decisions and and all these things in a different way than you would do your daughters but there's something that happens when a son starts to slip into this place which i think all sons do at certain ages because i know i did with my dad to where we begin to feel the the power of manhood mm. but we have mm. yet to have the the wisdom or experience of manhood Babe, say that again so so we begin to feel the power of manhood but we have yet to actually have the wisdom and experience of manhood and then we have Someone who has a wisdom and experience of manhood, but we we, we become power drunk mm. because we're now coming into this place of manhood power and we don't think we have to listen to those who have the experience, mm. who have the wisdom. Mm. And so now we begin to say things like, it's not the same as when you was a kid or things <laughs> is different now. You know, y'all right. old school. Right, right, uh, right. You know, I, I, remember, <laughs> I remember one time, um, I looked at my mom. She said something to me or whatever. And my, my parents said, I was like, why are you sweating me? You know, <laughs> and my, oh, my mom looked at me. I thought she was going to kill me. My dad was like, all right, you just need to go somewhere. You need to just walk away, you know, but um, it's why that you space. Sweating me? It, yeah, it's that. I, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how I got away with my right. life that day, but um, it's that space. And so and so in those moments of tension, it's typically a space where. As a father, you know that your son is asserting his power as a man and you don't want to quench that. Mm. He needs that. Mm. You cannot put that fire out. Mm. You cannot quench that fire. But what you have to do as a father is ask, you know, get as much wisdom as you can. If you are a praying person, pray for wisdom. So that you can guide it, so that you mm. can develop the relationship mm. with your son. And so for me, in those moments, that tension that you feel is me going, okay, how do I work through this in a way where I don't fly off the handle? And because because the temptation is to assert my dominance as the more experienced, more wise man. Yeah, yeah. And 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 demand submission. Mm. Right? Sure. But I forget. I'm the old lion demanding submission from the young lion who's coming up and is feeling the power of what I've experienced for a long time. Mm. This is new for the young lion. Right, right. The young lion is finally going, whoa, my mane is coming in. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, my mane as an old lion, you know, it's drooping down to the ground. So I'm like, yeah, I've had this mane for, you know, 30 some odd years. I'm, mm. I'm, you know, I'm used to the mane. You know, what you don't right. realize is the more mane you get, the heavier the burden is. And you got to learn how to be strong enough to carry it. Yeah. But the young lion's mane is, is light. So he's feeling the power and the difference of the mane, but mm. he doesn't understand the burden that it carries. And now I could either assert my dominance over him because my mane is heavy and I can throw it on him and be like, how does that feel? Right, right. Or... I can step back and go, hey, son, okay, let's talk about what's happening here. Mm. And so the tension that you feel often with the boys is that space of love and respect crossing each other. Mm. Me continuing to learn and to remember what it was like to be 16, 17 years old, 13 years old for our youngest. And, and to say, okay, when I was that age... What did I need from my dad that he gave me? My dad was, I don't know, he was brilliant. I don't know how he did it, but 
My dad is a man of few words, but he, when he would say the things... I think your things, dad is the epitome of calm. I don't understand it. Yeah, listen, but he, 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 he very rarely would, like, get angry with us as his boys. Um, often saw him got angry with other people because they would try to mess with us or our family, whatever. That was different, but with us as his boys, he very rarely got angry, you know, and, but he was always, he always knew what to say, like, he... He would say something to you and you'd be like, like, dang, like I'm tripping, you know? And so remembering those moments and going, okay, so two things come for me. Um, and I know everybody doesn't have this, but two things come for me. One, you know, how would my dad have approached this? And, and not always do I approach it the same way, but it gives me a baseline because it's not so much the details, it's the intent. What was the intent? What was my dad's intent mm -hmm. and what a similar situation? And then two, I, I ask God for guidance. You know, how, how, do I, how do I meet my boys where they're at? Because there are moments where I feel I'm feeling disrespected mm -hmm. as the man of the house. Mm -hmm. Do I get up on my high horse and remind them, which I have sometimes. And, you know, we've worked through that. There have been times I've said to them, like, yo, I'm not your friend, I'm not your homie. I'm your father. So how we deal with things in this house, it ain't going to go like your friend or your homie. But I don't say that to, to tell them that they can't express themselves. It's just a matter of how they express themselves. I'll never forget when uh, Robbie was like five or six years old and he asked me to do something and I told him he couldn't. And I was in the kitchen. I think I was doing dishes or something like that. And I turned around and he was standing in the doorway with his arms folded <clears> and he was huffing, just breathing hard. I was like, well, what is wrong with him? Because just a minute before that, he was fine before he asked me. And I said, hey, what's going on, man? Like, what's wrong? And he goes, I'm angry. I said, oh. I said, okay. I said, well, why are you angry? He goes, because I really wanted to do that, and you told me no. I said, okay. I said, I hear you, man. I said, well, I said, I'm going to give you your space, let you work through that. I said, and I'm sorry that you're angry about it. I said, but I want to be clear that this doesn't change my answer, but I want you to be able to work through that. And And so... I feel like that even now I set a baseline because there are times now, especially with him, where if he feels that I'm maybe, you know, throwing my mane on him, so to speak, he'll say, well, dad, you know, it doesn't help me to be able to, to really communicate with you if you do this sometimes. And, and then as a dad, I've got to be able with everything I know even if I know in that moment, he still doesn't get it. I have to be thankful that my son is comfortable enough to come to me and say, hey, pop, like, like that, I, it, it doesn't help me to talk to you if you do that. I can't get all up in arms and be like, well, this is my house. And you gotta, I'm going to shut him down. He ain't yeah. going to come to me. And every father wants their son to come to them before anyone else. I, I don't know a good father out there that doesn't want their son to come to them for wisdom and help. Because who cares more about them than you do outside of mom? So like those things. So that tension that you feel often is me wrestling like I love I love this boy. Love these boys. But at the same time, we've got to work on how they maintain respect and how they understand that my, I want to build, continue to build respect for them as they continue to learn and continue to grow. I want to teach them how to do that. With, with, with daughters, it's a little different. Um, well, I still think I was going <clears> to say <throat> with daughters, we still feel the tension and you feel it too, because especially our, one of our daughters has a very similar personality to you. Oh yeah. So <clears throat> we like to joke and say that she looks just like me, but acts just like you. Yeah. And we really should have <laughs> named her Roberta uh, instead of Leticia, even though we named upset. her Leticia. Yeah. She would not have liked the name, but even with her and uh, our daughters, like there's still a very real tension that I still think like to your point where you talked about that power struggle, mm. right? They're feeling the power of manhood, but they don't yet have the wisdom to manage the power that they're feeling. Mm. I still see that with the girls. Mm. And so when you were talking about the boys, I thought, wait, you know what? 
I totally see that with the boys, but I also see it with the girls because Ooh. what the girls are sensing and that, that power that they're sensing is not just manhood for the boys, it's adulthood, period. Yeah. They're yeah. sensing the transition from child to adolescent teen, yeah. from adolescent teen to young teen. adult, yeah. right? And then yeah. young adult to full-blown adult. Right. So in each of those transitions, there is um, a growing pain, mm. right? Yeah. And so they're sensing that transition they don't always know how to articulate what it is they're sensing. Mm. And if you're not, um, you know, as a parent, if you're not really paying attention to your kids and actually watching the growth process, yeah. you don't even know what it is, right? Yeah. And sometimes yeah, we true. catch it, sometimes we don't. But with the kids, I realize now it's not just the boys, but it's also our girls that start to come into this place of young adult or teenager or whatever. They're getting a little bit more freedom. They're giving, we're, we're trusting them with a little bit more opportunities to show us that they can be responsible, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. And so they know that we're giving them more opportunities. So they start to feel that and go, oh, mom and dad must trust me. Mm. Oh, look, mom and dad are giving me more freedoms. Mm. But then because they have to wrestle it out, they don't always use the freedom well. Yeah. And then we have to wrestle the tension there and yep. help them to yep. see that that wasn't the best choice with the freedom they had, whether it was to use the car one night or to have friends over at a certain yeah. hour they normally wouldn't or to have even a, a particular friend over that normally was not allowed over before. That's a new freedom to have this friend over. Well, how are you going to manage Right. This opportunity that we've given you to have this friend over. Well, sometimes it doesn't always go well. And yeah. so you have to wrestle all these growing pains with them together. But to what we were saying earlier, right? Like if you are practicing the self-awareness with yourself first, mm, yeah, right? That's huge. As a parent, you want to be able to position yourself to practice self-awareness, not just as a parent, as in a human in this world, period. Yeah. It doesn't matter your role, parent. Married, yeah. single, employee, employer, a student, teacher. It doesn't matter what the, you want to practice these things because you can only deal with yourself. Yep. You know, I remember, um, you know, my mentor constantly reminding me when I would call her sometimes early on in our marriage and I would gripe about you and say, you know, he's doing this and right, he's right. doing that. And I'm so mad at him. I can't believe he could do this. I don't understand why he thinks this way or why he said what he said. Right? right. And I'd be going on and doing my little venting session with her and she would listen as she does. And then she would often uh, let me get it all out. And she would say, okay, I've heard you tell me about him. That's great. Mm. Tell me what you did. Mm. Because she was, mm. she's wise enough to see and understand and know yeah. that it. I'm not on the phone with him. Right. right. I can't do nothing for him. Right. But I got you on the phone. Right. You're clearly upset about this. Yeah. So you tell me what your part was that you played in this situation. And then we're going to work through how you could have handled it differently. Yeah. Because clearly you're the one on the phone with me, which tells me I can work with you. And so I feel like that's why you and I have just come into this, you know, over the years, we re we're learning more and more how important self-awareness is yeah. so that we can deal with us. <clears throat> I can't so deal with you and you don't get to deal with me until I am open to deal with me and you are open to deal with you. Yeah, so true. You can't do nothing for me if I don't want to deal. That's right. And we've been in those disagreements yeah. and arguments where I wasn't yeah. ready to deal and you literally could do nothing for me yeah. and vice versa. Yeah. I wanted to be like, okay, let's babe, let's work ready. on this. And you weren't yeah. ready. Yeah. And our kids, same thing. We want to go to our kids and be like, okay, baby girl or, or son, tell me you are not in a good place. I know you're not. What is going on? You're making crazy decisions. And right. if they're not ready, they're not ready. And that is hard. Very difficult. It's hard, but there's a space and a time for everything. There are times where we have to give each other the space so we can process and figure it out. Yeah. And then there's uh, times where if you just don't know, which is what we're talking about, if you don't practice any self-awareness, that's not good. You yeah. want to get to a place where you can practice self-awareness so that you can, so that you don't have to, you know, repeat your past that you're not dealing with. Right, right. You know, we started this conversation people who experience things in their childhood and or in trauma or whatever in their past period yeah and they repeating it yeah. but maybe they don't even know that they're repeating it because they didn't know you know that this is or, there was a better way right or some are some do know but they're choosing not but they're to. choosing not yeah. to yeah. and so i feel like you know self-awareness mm. is huge and i'm thankful mm. that now more than ever people are paying attention to themselves and people are starting to wake up to the reality that 
you know, you are the only one that you get to change for real. Yeah. You know, we saw all for years, we've seen the little plaques and quotes and t-shirts, you know, be the change, be the change, be the change, be the change you want to see, be the change you want to see. <laughs> right. Like, cool. That's been cute for years and decades, literally. But now it's time to do it. Yeah. Now it's time more than ever is the time to be the change you want to see. Yeah. You can only change you. If you want to be a, if you didn't like the mother you had, or you didn't have one at all, right. if you didn't right. like the daddy or the lack thereof father presence that you had yeah. in your life, like none of it gets to be an excuse anymore. <clears throat> no, and there's so like, many there's resources. There's too many, right? There's too many resources, so many out, resources there. out there. There's podcasts such as this there's one. Books. There's books. There's people, just there's people, living yeah. human beings who yeah. are willing to share their lives with you and say, "Hey, I'm here as a resource." But I think that's the other thing, right? Like. A, a smart person uh, is not going to force themselves on you because they know you have to want the change for yourself That's because right. they can't change you. Like That's we just right. said, you have to first want that for yourself. Yep. So I'm not going to sit here. I'm not going to search you out and I'm not going to seek you out to give you any wisdom or advice or guidance because you don't want it. Yeah. So if you want that in your life, if you're saying I'm the type of person that yeah, I'm realizing there's some stuff that, you know, I'm seeing behavior patterns in my life mm. that I'm like, I don't think this is actually good. I'm not sure this is a healthy right. patterns. Right. Then like, you know, shoulder tap somebody that you That's might right. have in your circles. And if they're not in your circles, maybe you need to expand your circle. Yep. Maybe it's time for you to get some new friend groups. Maybe and even that, like, right. No more excuses. Like, you know, we moved to this city almost three years ago now. And I remember like feeling like, oh, I don't have any friends here. Oh, I don't have this. Oh, I don't have that. And then I, I'm not the type of person that normally hops onto apps or things like that. But I realized, man, I'm really desperate for to be a part of the creative community here. Mm. And so I hop on the next door app or yep. I hop on whatever app, a meet meetup group or whatever. Yep. And I started meeting local artists and meeting new people and then starting to step out of my introverted space and my little comfort zone and starting to invite people to coffee and, mm -hmm. you know, doing things that I normally wouldn't be comfortable doing. But and I'm still not comfortable with it, but I know that I need it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with that saying comes to mind, you know, everything you want is outside your comfort, outside zone. Your comfort zone. And so you might have to do things to get healthy that you don't necessarily want to do you mm -hmm. may not want to go sit and have coffee and talk to a man about your feelings suck it up buttercup as they say down yeah. south and, go talk, and go talk to somebody and it doesn't have to be in a coffee shop you can go work on a car together work on a bike right. do whatever but talk and like even forgot like i think for men I, I don't think we realize how perfect a therapist is and this is why I say this. Men are not fond of a bunch of people being in their business. The, the, the average man does not want a whole bunch of people knowing what he's going through. He, he typically doesn't want people that know him well to know the depths of what he's going through. He might have that one buddy, maybe, maybe a, a group of friends that really, really that that are there for him but they're not there in the sense of their goal is to help process oftentimes they're there as comfort they're there as um like you know people that he can vent to that he can trust that if he says something if he expresses something uh they're not going to judge they're not going to um, look at him differently, and because because men, look, we're about loyalty. Like, don't don't be disloyal, you know. And mm. uh, and I think we don't oftentimes see the huge benefit. And a literal stranger who is objective, they don't they don't have anything to gain emotionally mm. or relationally from listening to you. All they're concerned with is what you're saying and how they can help you to see things from a different perspective. And their goal, out, up, you know, different from your friends, is that they are there to help you move forward in the process. Our friends are not always, this is not a bad thing, because our friends 
shouldn't be our therapist. You know what I'm saying? Those are our friends. We should be able to go out, have fun with our friends. Yes, vent with our friends. Our friends have our back. You know, all that type of stuff. They want the best for us. But if, but when you go to therapy, though, you've got that person that's one, objective. There is no bias. Two, they don't know you. They don't know you from Adam's house cat. They have no idea. And three, their goal is to help you move forward. And I don't think it's necessarily that your friends can't be like, um, I don't think it's necessarily that your friends uh, can't speak wisdom into your life, right? You're, no, 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 that's right? not what I, yeah. Because healthy friendships are beautiful for that reason because they tell you the truth about yourself, right? Yeah, yeah, But I hear what you're saying. Like, just like, you know, yeah, okay, my girlfriend might be able to be like, oh, I think that you have a headache because maybe you didn't drink enough water or maybe, you know, I think actually, didn't you tell me you slept funny last night or right. whatever, right? Okay, she can give me that much, but she's not a professional doctor. She can't diagnose why I keep getting migraines. Right. So At some friends, point, you have to go to the doctor. Right. Our friends are good for helping us to kind of just, uh, you know, manage through certain things for sure. But then there are certain levels as layers that some of us have, not everybody, but some of us have layers upon layers upon layers mm. of, you know, childhood trauma that has not even yet been discovered. And that kind of thing, a friend may not be able to get there with you. Right. But a therapist can, uh, is trained, has the trained, you know, background to be like, whoa, OK, I've seen this before. So, yes, I hear what you're saying. Like yeah. you can start off with friends. You can start off with the people that are in your life and stuff like that. But eventually, if you are realizing that you are not yet seeing the self-awareness that you need to in your life and you're still having things that are just you're like roadblocked and you can't figure it out or someone else is even loves you enough because it's love that does that. Mm. It, it, and it's love that points out the things in us that we don't want to see for ourselves. Um, if someone else is like pointing this out to you and you're just like. Yo, this person keeps saying this. I don't under well, I don't see this. I don't I don't know why I do this or I didn't even know that I did it or ah okay, maybe it's time to move on to a therapist. Maybe it's yeah. time to get a counselor. And not all counselors are great, just like not all doctors yeah, are great. Not it. all surgeons are great, not all lawyers are great, not take all you teachers a second are to great. Find the right, one. right. Like don't just stop because you got one or two therapists and you're like, Oh, see they they didn't help me. Well, so what? Not all you didn't stop when you didn't find the right person to be with in the rest of your life. Like right. you keep looking. <laughs> you you didn't go, Oh, see that boyfriend, those two guys that I dated suck, so I'm never gonna date another guy. Like, no, stop. Like you know, when you really want the help, when you really want what it is and you position yourself to get it, you know what? You um, you go to a yeah. couple therapists if you have to. You go to three yep. if you have to. Like, you keep going because you, literally you understand your life depends on it. And maybe not just yours, but if you're married, your spouse, if you're dating, yeah. if you have children, your kids, you know, the lives depend on it. I mean, you and I, we've been privileged to have young people around us. And I say it's a privilege because... At our age, it is a beautiful privilege and a yeah. blessing to have young people that still want to hang around with I you. Know, right? And so we have had the privilege of having young people in our home often and, and stay and be around us and mm. have their presence in our lives. And it, and it's it's heartbreaking. It hurts deeply when these kids are going back to homes that they don't feel safe. Yeah. They're they're hurting deep hurts and they're they're building scar tissue because they feel like well this is this is the place that I was supposed to be able to come to and be safe against all this stuff yeah but now this is my reality I have to live in these circumstances I have to learn to live with uh in a place where I don't get to come home and it be my refuge I actually have to learn to protect myself from the very place that was supposed to protect me. Mm. Man. That is hard. That's tough. And I am thankful, Man. so thankful that I can honestly say I don't I don't know what that must feel like because I wasn't that child. Mm. I had a home that I ran to because yeah. it was so safe. Yep. I loved being home. Yeah. I had a hard time kicking me out of my house for that reason because I like being home. Yeah. My parents loved each other. Yeah. Yes, they had their issues. 
Yes, they had their disagreements, but I don't recall a time in my childhood or in my teenage years where I ever questioned whether or not my home was going to be a safe place. Yeah. Despite the disagreements, and I'm a baby of six kids, five girls and one boy. Plenty yeah. of opportunities for a lot of stuff. And doesn't mean we didn't have, you know, heartache and heartbreak, uh, teenage pregnancies and, you know, all kinds of different things that we had to go through, uh, you know, just stuff, life. Yeah. We had to wrestle with each other and figure it out. But as a family, we figured it out. We did just that. We dealt, mm. we worked, and we figured it out. And with the kids today, my heart just breaks for them because uh, to Jay-Z's point, even in his interview, right, he talked about the divorce rate is 50%. You know, when he cheated on Beyonce, she could have been like, Peace, yeah. be out. I mean, the ultimate, yeah. like, you know, sin, if you will, like, done. We yeah. are over. Get out of my house, right? But they didn't choose that. They yeah. could have done it. People have divorced for much less. Yeah. But they chose to stay. And they to chose to work. Yeah. Not just stay and be like, whatever, we'll be roommates. Who cares? No. Yeah. Literally figure this out. What yeah. is the problem? Yeah. Work on it. And let's deal with the root and let's get it dealt with. Yeah. So I think, now I think, I know that our hearts, you and I, that is our heartbeat. Yeah. Is we are here simply as a voice to say, hey, Team Tyler ain't got it all figured out. We sure don't. We've, we're only, no, we're, still working. We're, we're only barely 19 work in years progress. in. Work in progress. To our own, you know, but we are a work in progress. And what we have worked on thus far we are willing and wanting to share and if you can take anything from it please take a little something to help you discover more of yourself and say okay yeah. can i keep working on this marriage is it really over do i re is it really over or if i'm honest with myself do i just not want to do the work just not want to see myself and yeah. deal with myself you know, and yeah. if I'm a if I'm a child, you know, and, and you're going through this phase with like, you know, yes, we push the limits, we push the boundaries and stuff like that. But if you're honest with yourself, even as a teenager, as a child or whatever, if you're listening to this, are you asking yourself, like, how much can I get away with every day? <laughs> yeah. Or are you actually going to try to see yourself and see your part that you're playing in maybe some of the tension in your home? Yeah. And how could you maybe help to relieve some of the tension that's in your home. Maybe you don't need to have everything you think you just need to have right now. Yeah. Maybe you don't need to beg for another video game. Maybe you don't need to, you know, whatever it is that you feel like, well, this is just gonna give me a little piece of happiness and I'm just gonna think about me, 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 me. What can you do to think about somebody else? Because I love how, you know, one of the psychologists that we listen to, uh, Dr. Kevin Lehman says, an unhappy child is a healthy child. Mm. And that's not something you hear in our society today. No. Because no. we are seeing way too many parents, ourselves included, <clears throat> in our early, uh, our, in our, some of our parenting, where we had to realize that, oh my gosh, no, actually, I don't need my kid to be happy all the time. Right. No, because that's not good. Because then that means I'm giving them too much and they're going to be brats. And I don't want that. And they wouldn't want that when they can see themselves better as an adult. Right. Sometimes we need to say no. And we need to say it way more than we say our yeses to them. So that they can have healthy boundaries that they're growing up in. And they can understand that the world does not revolve around them. And their little right. wishes and wants and desires every single day. So I think, um, you know, ultimately, we just want to be just share a little bit and say, hey, self-awareness is real. You know, we always say yeah. that, you know, even when you don't think you're practicing something, well, you're always practicing you're always something. always practicing something. Even, you know, especially us as parents, right? And I love how you said, you know, we don't have it all together. And I think for so long, we, we've been conditioned to only listen to the voices that present themselves as, as if they've have it all together. Because mm -hmm. it's like, oh, that's the goal to shoot for. But we never get to see the story behind the success. Um, and, and we look at success as, oh, man, like everything's great for their family or, oh, everything is, you know, work is perfectly right. And that's not success. 
Um, success is gauged per family, per relationship, by the goals of that family, that relationship. What is it that that relationship is there to accomplish? Why? What is the goal there, you know? And, and I, think that, I think that one of the things, you know, to your point that we want to do is to say, hey, like you said, we're 19 years in. Um, we have been parents for 17, well, actually all 19. Um, and you know, uh, we are still learning things. We are still figuring things out. We are still making mistakes. We are still not just mistakes, sometimes bad decisions. Um, we are still learning how to relate to our children. We are still looking at the best ways to help them grow and thrive and set them up to have a bright future. We we are still doing that. And whatever we can give while we're in our process, which we will right. always, always be in, but we will all always be. <laughs> while excuse we're me. alive and breathing. Right. While we're in our process, just to share some of the things that have happened um, that we've seen have worked, have not worked. Um and every child is different, so there are some things that may you may hear and be like, ah, and every relationship is different. So some things right. may be like, yeah, yeah, but I do want to say this for parents. You know, it is very difficult sometimes for us to remove fear from our parenting. Mm, yeah, um, that's good. Because we so remember good. the things that we've done. We remember some of the things we went through as children. We remember some of the decisions we made as children. Yeah. As teenagers, as young adults, adolescents. Yeah. Uh, and, and adults like in our 20s. And our heart is not to be fearful, but fear can creep in very easily because we, we desperately do not want our children to have to repeat the things that we did. And so right. we, we want to do everything we can to keep them away. Uh, one thing we've learned is that in the midst of that, when it's led by fear, um, it never works. You, you mm. never accomplish, you never achieve your children truly understanding why they shouldn't do certain things or shouldn't make certain decisions or shouldn't hang out with certain people, whatever, when, when we approach it from a, from a, from a fear standpoint, when, we, when, we, when we're not willing to share, when we're not willing to have conversations, when we're not willing to talk about outcomes and possible outcomes and even, bless you, and even the what ifs. Um, so my big encouragement, bless you, would be, you know, um, just 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 do whatever it takes to mitigate fear mitigate just meaning you know reduce the effect of fear um mm-hmm. and to be able to step back and go okay i see my child doing this how do i address this approach this and for some parents out there you may have to start from a place of building trust back with your child you know we talk a lot about children building trust with us but sometimes we got to mm-hmm. we got to build trust with That's our kids good, so that our kids feel comfortable enough to come and talk to us. Yeah. Uh, our kids feel comfortable enough to come and share these things with yeah. us. And, and then also we've got to, again, if we, when we know the core um, reasoning behind why we do some things we do, we've got to have the courage to actually go, I'm going to deal with that. Uh, whether it's therapy, whether it's just a change of mind. Sometimes, sometimes it is as simple as that. You know what? I'm not going to do that anymore. Whether it's looking for books or resources, whatever it may be, when we know, instead of saying, well, it's because of this, Mm. we can say, well, because I know that, now I'm going to do something different. And for those of us who are struggling with not being sure, um, do the work to figure out, why do I do these things? Why do I fly off the handle? Why do I do this or do that? Uh, because it'll, it'll always, you know, discomfort is tough, but discomfort causes growth. Yeah. I saw a quote uh, recently. It said, what challenges you changes you. Mm, it's so good. Thank you so much for listening. Join us next time as we begin to tackle the topics and questions that you guys submitted. Until then, keep having those relational, encouraging, authentic, life-giving conversations. Peace. Thank you.